0: the attitude of love and the Christian go together like keys in a car. It just doesn't work without each other. The car doesn't do you any good unless you have a set of keys in which you can crank it up. And listen, the gifts, the prophecies, all of the mysteries, all of the knowledge, all, if I have all faith, as to move a mountains, and yet I have not love, I
1: am nothing. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of First Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stuart.
0: Well, we have approached the final destination in the book of first Peter we're going to be looking today at the closing statement this by far um, can be one of the challenging things as is as, as we preach as we come to a close is not to try to throw in my agendas or my purposes or my conclusion thoughts but simply to preach the word because as the Bible we understand that it's all inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and training in righteousness so that the man and God may be adequately equipped for all good work and that's what we want we want the word of God to penetrate our hearts and so I pray today that as we come to the end that we realize the ending is just as important as the beginning and everything in between and so with that said let's jump into our text this morning if you will let's turn chapter 5 of 1st Peter and we'll be looking at verses 12 to 14 now, there are not many verses here, but that doesn't mean there isn't much information that we could use to hear. And so, let us read this morning, 1 Peter 5, 12-14. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a holy kiss, a kiss of love. Be be with you, all who are in Christ. With just like that, we've looked over the last few weeks. Peter ending this letter with a few more attitudes that you and I should strive to have as Christians. Two weeks ago, we looked at the, or three weeks ago, really because I was on vacation there one week, but um, we looked at the attitude of submission, and humility, and trust, and how we are not to be a grasping Christian, but a casting Christian, trusting in Christ, giving all of our cares unto the Lord. Last week, we looked at an attitude that would help us be more effective in resisting the enemy. And so we saw the need to have an attitude of self-control, awareness, uh, have the attitude of resilience, and also an attitude of hope. Can I just simply ask you the question, how did you find this week beneficial? Did you find that you had a better attitude of self-control, a a better attitude of awareness, um, an attitude of resilience, and an attitude of hope in resisting the enemy? I don't know about you, but this week the enemy was working double time in my life. And a lot of times when I stand up here and I preach messages, the devil really wants me to live it out, right? He wants me to see about what I'm made of. And so, boy, this week there was a lot of testing. Some failures and some successes, but all remembering the grace of Jesus Christ. This week, uh, Peter wants us to see, as he approaches the final words of his letter, three attitudes again that we as Christians should desire as we live out the Christian life. First, the attitude of faithfulness he wants us to see should be desired. Secondly, the attitude of love should be desired. And thirdly, the attitude of peace should be desired. How's that text? Can you see that? Is that big enough for you guys in the back? Is it too small? Good? Okay, well, praise the Lord. That sight's not too bad yet. I can't see it up here on this little screen. Uh, maybe that's not a good thing. <laughs> but first, let's look at the how of the attitude of faithfulness should be desired. Now, understanding that Peter here is not instructing us to have this attitude of faithfulness and certain ways, but this passage sure gives insight to the fact that we should desire to have the same kind of faithfulness as shown here in this passage. Peter says, through Sylvanius, our faithful brother, for so I regard him. Peter refers to this man as faithful. And the question that I ask, and that you should ask yourselves, is who is he And what did he do that makes him so faithful? Sylvanius. Well, if you recall, this is the same man from Acts chapter 15, which Luke calls Silas. Now, Silas, or Sylvanius, was a godly man, even so called a prophet in Acts chapter 15, verse 32. One of my favorite things about this passage is Is what we read here in Acts chapter 15, 32. It says, Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. Now, if you're feeling I'm a little lengthy this morning, just realize that I'm trying to encourage and strengthen all of you. These, though, are prophets who use their gift of preaching to encourage to strengthen the believers in Antioch. We know that the church, in the church, there had already been a number of prophets among who were Barnabas and Paul. And Luke is a fully aware of this effect. In this verse, he calls the attention of two prophets from Jerusalem, listen, that have come to encourage and support the believers in Antioch. These two go about and orally make known the riches of the salvation of Jesus Christ. What a faithful man he's called. And if you feel like I feel, I want to be known as a faithful man of God who encourages and supports the believers of the body of Christ. Silas was a preaching prophet, and he worked alongside of Judas. Now what we find here in the latter part of chapter 15, if you'll turn with me there, Acts chapter 15, we see something take place in this book. We see something take place, and so let's read verse 36. I'm going to start in verse 30. Acts chapter 15, verse 30. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, there's our guy, Silvanus, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them off. But it seemed to be good to Silas to remain there, but Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. This is what I found interesting and just a good reminder. It says this in verse 36, After some days... Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in, in every city which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along with, with them whom had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas, Silvanus here again, our guy, and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. Now Barnabas takes John Mark and Paul takes Silas and they split up. Here you have some of the greatest men of Scripture having a sharp disagreement about a man named John Mark. But what's interesting is that even in the midst of a sharp disagreement, these men are still considered faithful. They keep serving God no matter the fact that they have a disagreement. Silas was a faithful brother in the Lord, and he was a faithful brother of Peter, and here he is the very man that brings the letter to Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, to all those who were chosen. Now I don't know about you, but I want again to be known as a faithful brother in the Lord. And you and I have to ask ourselves the question: How are we? Are we faithful brothers and sisters in Christ? and only you can evaluate your life and ask do i have an attitude of faithfulness unto the lord now what does that look like in the christian life i mean here we've we've been talking about The Christians living in a time of Nero where they're being persecuted for their faith. And here Peter is asking them to have an attitude of faithfulness. No matter their circumstances, no matter their persecution, no matter their situation, are you being faithful? Have this attitude of faithfulness like this man Silvanus or Silas who faithfully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ alongside Paul. I want to be known as a faithful follower of Christ. And I want you to be known as a faithful follower of Christ. And as we met this morning in our membership class, we looked at the fact that every single person that has been indwelt with the Spirit of God, that has trusted in Jesus Christ, has been given a gift. A spiritual gift. And I believe that it's time that we wake up and that we utilize those gifts for the kingdom. Uh, I read a book this morning, or at least a segment of Chuck Swindoll's book on church awakening, and he says this, that the church today needs a cup of coffee. A splash in the face because it's lethargic. You know, the church isn't the building, it's the people. And we have laid down as Christians. We don't share our faith. We don't and stand up for what's right in our culture. Many times. Now, you know, I have to look at myself and I have to say, Stuart, are you doing these things? And many times I fail. Again, we worship a God of grace and mercy. But it doesn't negate the fact that we as Christians are called to have an attitude of faithfulness. And we have to really penetrate our hearts and ask the question, have we been faithful? And faithful doesn't mean that we come and we show up at 1045 and we sit down and we listen to what the preachers ate all week and that's what we feed off of. The question is, have we been faithful this week to the Lord Jesus Christ? In every situation that He has allowed us to live through, every circumstance in which we've faced this week, have we been faithful? And my objective is not to beat you up. Because I had to sit right there in that office and go, no, I wasn't faithful here. No, I wasn't faithful there. And we worship a God of grace again, a God of forgiveness. A God that reminds us that even when we are faithless, He is faithful. But it still doesn't negate the fact that we have to make sure that we have an attitude of faithfulness as Christians like this man, Silvanus. Silas was a great pitcher of faithfulness. Paul was a great pitcher of faithfulness. He said, I have finished the good fight. Are we even in the fight? The Romans... Christians are a great example of faithfulness. Romans one eight says because their faithfulness was being reported all over the world. Don't you want to have a faithfulness that's being reported all over the world? That's what I want. I want the grace of Jesus Christ to reach the ends of the earth. But it begins with inward evaluation what will you be known for when you depart this earth will you be considered a faithful brother in the Lord when your kids stand up and give testimony about your life what will they say Will you be known as a faithful brother in the Lord? A faithful sister in Christ? Because reality sets in. As I pulled out of here the other day, passing a casket, sitting on the back of a truck. What will we be known for? I want to be known as a faithful man of God. A faithful father, a faithful husband, a faithful pastor. Be like a faithful man or woman from Scripture. Men like Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab, thought of as a prostitute, but faithful. Huh. Caleb, Job, Daniel, Elijah, Josiah. Martha, and on and on and on and on, all of these faithful men. And as I stood here this morning, singing and worshiping, praying for even my own children standing in front of me, Father God, give my son Josiah your anointing, giving him the gift and the ability, the desire to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. We want to be known. By our faithfulness. Look at Peter's faithfulness. He says, I've written to you briefly, exhorting you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm. Peter says, I mean, this is a short letter in which I've been exhorting to you. Parakaleo is the Greek word there. For exhorting, it means to urge, it means to plea, it means to encourage. And Peter is doing this even in such a time of persecution. And he's testifying that these things that he's spoken, listen, in the last five chapters, are the true grace of God. And here's what he spoke. He spoke of all about the Christian and his salvation. As we looked at the prayer of thanksgiving, Peter's praise of proven faith, plea for holy living, Peter's proclamation for you and I to fear the Lord, Peter's principles to what? Love fervently. Peter's prescription to how? Grow in the faith. And Peter pushes for the offer of acceptable sacrifices unto the Lord. Peter's position on who you and I are in Christ. We see all that he spoke on and about the Christian's relationship. Peter's counsel to the Christian's relationship as it relates into the government, as it relates into the workplace, as it relates into the family. And Peter's exhortation is Christians relationships within the body of Christ, within the church. Be faithful in these things. And faithful in all that he spoke about the Christian suffering and service. Peter's directions on how to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. How to to have effective sufferings of Jesus Christ. Suffer for the sake of Christ. The description of the triumph of Jesus. And because he's victorious, we can be victory as well. We can experience victory. Peter's description of the Christian's lifestyle and what it looks like to be a man and woman of faith, a lifestyle that honors and exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter's description of dealing with suffering. Because we live in a life that's fallen and we experience difficulties. And all that he spoke about, lastly, in the Christian's discipline. His exhortation for biblical leadership. And lastly, the exhortation for the faithful flock of God, having an attitude of faithfulness specifically today. All this he has written, all that we have looked at, come from an author that is inspired by God. He was faithful in presenting all the grace, the true grace of God. And then he instructs us in the midst of all of these things that he's reminding of us to stand firm. To stand firm. Stand on the things that I've given you, he says, that are from God. Hold an attitude of faithfulness in your salvation. Proclaim it and act like it in your relationship. In submission and your sufferings, remain faithful to the Lord. In disciplines, do all you do to the glory of God and remain faithful faithful. Stand firm. Are we doing that? Are we living that out? And if we're not, then we have to ask the question, why? And maybe, just maybe, it's because it's not that important. Maybe it's just not that important. We think it's important. We claim it's important. But the way we live contradicts what we find is important. Because listen, that which we desire, we accomplish. That which is important, we take care of. That which is valuable to us, we give effort to. Just look at your life. That which you spend your money on. That which you invest your time that which you invest your talents, that is what is valuable to you. And we have to make sure that we evaluate ourselves and say, is that which I'm doing temporal or eternal? Because it's really easy to get wrapped up in the temporal. And yet we're called to have an attitude of faithfulness. Not only should we desire this attitude of faithfulness, but secondly, the attitude of love should be desired. The attitude of love and the Christian go together like keys in a car. It just doesn't work without each other. The car doesn't do you any good unless you have a set of keys in which you can crank it up. And listen, the gifts the prophecies, all of the mysteries, all of the knowledge, all if I have all faith as to move a mountains, and yet I have not love, I am nothing. Therefore, we must have an attitude of love, Peter says. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, So that so does my son Mark greet one another with a kiss of love. Here, Peter is expressing his love for the readers, his wish for all of them to to know and understand that in the church. And it says, "She, she who is in Babylon." Peter. Um, sometimes we we refer to things as she. I mean, you know, um, some if you go out to uh, the ocean, a lot of the boats are named after girls. And we even call our gun sometimes old Betsy, um, whatever the case may be. Peter is saying, We greet you, brothers and sisters in Christ, from afar. And so does my son Mark. John Mark, that would be, and it's not really his son, but a figure of someone that is and has been mentored and brought up in the Lord. They are not blood but they are family. And so how does that kind of relationship happen? How is it that we can love one another and them be called our son or our brother or our sister because we love and we dedicate time and effort? Peter says greet one another with a kiss of love. It's an expression of love. Not so much in our day, but in their day. I remember a pastor that had missionaries come in to speak and they wanted to experience what it was like to be in their country. And so the missionary said in the pulpit, turn around to your neighbor and kiss them with a greeting of love. So I want us to do that this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, it didn't go as well as the missionary had expected. But if you step into other countries, many times, whether you like it or not, guess what? They're gonna greet you with the holy kiss. And if you were in Ridgeland Baptist when I was, when I first became saved, that man that stood at the door, he would greet you with the holy kiss. I don't remember his name, but some of y'all that went there, you know who I'm talking about. It was an expression of love. It was an expression of love. Maybe it would be the same as a hug today. That's about as deep as we get in our culture. And it's usually a a handshake and a chest bump and, you know, get out my space. You know what I mean? But it's, it's the fact of showing brotherly love. And we can do that in many different ways. Many times we show brotherly love by just finding out how someone's really doing. Rather than going, hey, how you doing? I don't really care how you're doing. I just ask the question because that's what we do as Americans. And when people come over to America and you ask them how they're doing and they don't understand why you're, you know, they ain't used to a quick question like that. They, they really tell you what's going on. But not most Americans. Oh, I'm good. Hey, have a good day. Because that's appropriate. But the reality is, is we are called to show brotherly love. Listen, when I go see my family, we embrace with a hug, and sometimes we kiss on the cheek. It was a way to show each other that you love them and that you care for them and that you have high regard for them. And ultimately, we have to take the Word of God and apply it to our day, and so we have to ask the question, are we loving the brethren? Are we loving each other? Do we take out enough time of our day to really find out how people are doing listen to all the places in scripture that talk about loving each other jonathan and david said in first samuel 20 he loved him as he loved himself john 13:34 love one another as i have loved you says the lord first corinthians 16:14 do everything in love 1 Peter 4.8, above all, above all, love each other deeply. There's the heart of Peter, even in the beginning of Peter. Now he's closing with the fact that we are to greet one another with a kiss of love. We're to love each other above all, deeply. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.3, your labor was prompted in love. Love is all over the Scriptures and we as christians should have the attitude of love. Jesus was asked in Matthew 22:36, "Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law?" and he said to him, "You say, you you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself." On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. Everything. All the commandments pivot off of love. And we as Christians should desire the attitude of love. Didn't Christ show us the greatest example of love? John fifteen thirteen greater love has no one than this that one lay down his life for his friends. Listen, the, the attitude of love should pour out of us. And for many it does. And for many it's a struggle. Because we're all made differently and we all have different emotions and some are you know, gifted with the gift of hospitality and some are gifted with the gift of mercy and some aren't like me. It's work, but we're still called to love one another. Because it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And Peter wants us to understand that as he's closing, he wants us to understand love is an attitude that should be desired. The last thing that we need to see is that the attitude of peace should be desired. Peace should be desired by Christians. You know why peace should be desired? We we'll look at Galatians 5:22 but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Notice that here we find three of the fruits of the spirit in our message today. All, we see all three attitudes that we are talking about today are fruits of the Spirit. And we should desire these things because when we are born again of God, and when God saves us and begins to sanctify us and begins to work in us, we should start experiencing faithfulness, love, and the attitude of peace. We should be growing in these areas because it's the Lord that's growing us. Ephesians 4.3, we are called to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, live in peace with each other. Flee evil desires and seek after love and peace, 2 Timothy 2.22. Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says in the last part of, the, of this verse, peace be To all who are in Christ. We as Christians. As born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Should have an attitude of peace. Because if we're not. Something's off. Let me ask you a genuine question. Do you have an attitude of peace? Is your life. Filled. With the peace of knowing Jesus Christ. It should be. The Lord Jesus Christ hopes and desires that our life is full of peace. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can experience this peace this morning. And if you are here and you are saying, Pastor, I don't have that peace. I want that peace. Listen, that peace only comes from knowing and understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. in reminding yourself daily of your need for Christ and His grace. Brothers and sisters, listen, we can't have the peace of God until we are at peace with God. And we can sit there in those seats and we can hold back week after week after week and we can fail to experience the joy and the peace and the faithfulness and the love of God. But until we place our faith in Jesus Christ there will be turmoil. And there will be difficulties that we will not have peace about in our lives. You know, there was a time in my life in which I did not have peace. I didn't have the peace of God. And ultimately, it was because I was not at peace with God. And so I ask you this morning, are you at peace with God? Because you can't experience the peace of God until you are at peace with God. If you want to know what it's like to be at peace in every situation, cast your sins unto Christ and to be set free. Because there's something special about living a life of peace. And you know, God has blessed my life to be invested by men who live their life in peace. And I watch them live their life. I've watched them go through difficulties. I've watched them experience tragedy. I've watched them experience the difficulties of ministry. And I've watched them do it with an attitude of peace. And what a blessing and an example it has been in an impact on my life. Because I understand and I know in every situation that God can bring about peace. He can bring about peace in your children's life. He can bring about peace in your marriage. I don't care how shattered it is. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care how difficult it is. He can bring peace in your relationship with your wife, with your husband. He can bring about peace in the relationship with your mother and your father. He can bring about peace in that situation in which you were hurt so many years ago. God is a God of peace we understand who we are in Christ Jesus we can experience an attitude of faithfulness an attitude of love and an attitude of peace and it all settles down on our relationship with Jesus Christ and Peter wants us to understand as he closes this book no matter your circumstances no matter your situation God is a God of peace a God of grace and a God of mercy and so he instructs us to stand firm in our faith to have peace in life and today you can have that if you will simply rely on Jesus Christ place your faith in him who is able to give you a great and mighty peace that comes from knowing Jesus amen let's pray
1: We would like to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of 1 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Ridgeville, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. And to find out more information about the ministry of Pastor Stuart Guthrie, check him out on the web at gettingintheword.com. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great week.